If you're starting a business, go for something where you can add the most value and charge the most money and sell your first five to 10 customers as fast as possible and get on the phone with your first 10 or 20 people that might even possibly buy as fast as possible and sell it, then build it, validate the idea, and then, yeah, then build it out. What is up, you sexy bastards? It's your boy, Barcelona, a.k.a. Rabbi Count Lose, a.k.a. Noah Kagan. In today's chat, I talk with a good friend, Chandler Bolt. He is the CEO of Self Publishing School. That's selfpublishing.com. I'm super excited to share Chandler's story. He's full of energy, positive attitude. Turns out his brother's also a rock star. Now, Chandler dropped out of college during his sophomore year because he wanted to run his own business. And by the time his friends were graduating college, his business, self-publishing school, was actually making millions of dollars. Now, the story isn't all rosy. He was sleeping on the floor. He was begging for money. Okay, he wasn't begging for money. But his story is just wild, and it was definitely not an overnight success. So if you've ever wanted to build your own business, I think you're going to love Chandler's story. You can check out Chandler's book, Published, on Amazon or wherever you buy books. Isn't it just Amazon? If you've ever wanted to learn more about making your first million bucks, you're going to love this episode. Here's three gigantic things you're going to take away. One, why Chandler's high school tried to shut down his business. That's crazy. Two, the worst part about dropping out of college. And three, the importance of selling something before you even build it. Enjoy those three things, plus a bunch more ear nuggets along the way. This interview is part of a YouTube video called Asking College Dropout Millionaires How to Make a Million. That's meta stuff right there. Go subscribe to my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash okdork, and check out the full video if you haven't already. Also, if you're a solopreneur looking to start or grow your online business, you got to check out appsumo.com slash Noah. It's like Groupon for geeks or Groupon for software. That's appsumo.com slash Noah to join the newsletter. Also, special pre-show shout out to listener REI Expert 101 of Canada. I love REI. If you guys have never been to REI, it's awesome. He left a review saying, amazing. I love Noah's podcast. The quality of guests he brings on the show and the knowledge he shares in each episode makes the podcast a must listen. Damn, I love you. And every one of you gorgeous listeners, if you want to shout out in a future episode, leave a review wherever you listen to this podcast. I check every single one of them. What are you known for? Can you tell us about your business? What I'm known for is being a college dropout and a C-level English student who created a publishing school. Um, and... We've published about 7,000 books in the last seven and a half years. So two to three books a day, typically, or one to three books a day, kind of in that range, and went from zero to probably over 40 million cumulatively in the last seven, seven and a half years. Inc. 5,000, three times, Forbes 30 under 30, just hit that. That's the external highlight reel. That's great, dude. Impressive. You know, how were you in school? How was high school and school for you? Uh, school wasn't awesome. I mean, high school was fine. Um, college, it was kind of this moment where it's like, all right, I'm going to get to college and then I'm going to finally learn how to run a business. And then I learned that I'm learning how to run a business from professors who have never ran businesses. That didn't make sense. So that's when I dropped out. It was kind of like this biting time in high school. Like, oh, when I get to college, that's when I'll learn how to run a business. Because I knew I wanted to do that. It wasn't like, oh, let me find myself. Let me whatever. <laughs> it's like, I want to run a business. And... Yeah, that's what I love and that's what I want to do. And But then the big part that shifted for me was finding this internship with a company called Student Painters. And then that gave me the confidence to actually drop out. And I learned way more in that than I did going to college. Decent GPA wise, but I was always in school to for the learning, not for the degree. And when I got there and realized that the learning wasn't really that good, it was just like, why am I here? What was high school like for you? Not bad. I mean, I ran a couple of businesses in high school and high school itself. I, I think I ended up like 30th out of 240 people in my class. But this is like a small town and competition is not. I mean, I mean, yeah, it's not crazy steep. Uh, but yeah, high school was it was fun. 
kind of one of the highlights like entrepreneurially is uh, I actually had an entrepreneurship class, which I think is pretty unheard of for any high school. But it was like the first semester we created a business plan and the second semester we ran a business. So we opened this business at the canteen in the school. It was called Papa Poncho's. And uh, Papa Poncho's is like this lunchtime canteen. And we made eight grand in profit from February to May working lunches. And we actually got to keep the money as the class. And so I was the president and the vi- I got two grand, the vice president got two grand, and then the rest was distributed about, among the rest of the people in the class based on merit and how many hours you worked and all that stuff. But I just remember, I just felt like I just got paid to go to school. This is crazy. And it was actually so successful that the high school shut it down the next year because we were taking business from the cafeteria. Uh, but Papa Poncho's Canteen, that was a highlight. And, uh, you know, this is like we would go, we'd go to Sam's Club and fill up the guy's Prius, who was the vice president of like the entrepreneurship class with, it's like, we're going there with a stack of ones. <laughs> and they're buying like all these sodas and candy bars. And then the Prius is like about to grind the wheels, uh, cause it's so loaded down. Uh, but it was so much fun. And so that was life changing to me where, you know, 2000 bucks to go to school for a semester. And then that summer I actually ran the business that I had mapped out in my business plan. And I just, a crazy thing, reflection for me on that, it's like everyone had these really sexy, cool business plans. It was like, oh, I'm gonna have this gadget or this whatever, I'm gonna have this horse thing, I'm gonna have this, it was just, and I felt like I had the lamest one in the class. It was like, uh, it was Handyworks. It's uh, landscaping, lawn care, and pressure washing. So like handyman kind of stuff. And I ran the business though that summer after and made another five or 10 grand to go towards college. And I just remember thinking like, I felt so insecure about that business plan. I'm like, this sucks. This is so lame. Anyone could do this. This is just a lawn care business and doing some pressure washing. But I was the only one in the class that actually did it. So like that was a big realization for me of it doesn't matter how sexy your business plan is if you don't do anything with it. On the flip side, it doesn't matter how unsexy your business plan is. Like if you implement it, (laughs) it can be highly lucrative. Uh, So probably more than what you asked for, but that's my reflections on high school. (laughs) Thanks for coming to my TED Talk. (laughs) No, I mean, I think one of the things when people are thinking about dropping out of high school, it's like figuring out what to do. Like how did you find that, that your calling was entrepreneurship or certain businesses? I think an early sign was going, I was in the Boy Scouts growing up and, and going to, uh, are you in Scouts? Oh, come on now. <laughs> oh, my honor to do my duty. Do my duty to God. my duty to God. my country and obey the Scout, Scout law. law. <laughs> so you want to morally straight? Physically straight, merely awake, morally straight. straight. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Eagle Scout. <laughs> yeah. Let's go. Eagle Scout. Yes, yeah, sir. same as Neville. Yes, sir. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Just there's the correlation. Eagle Scouts, that's cool. great there's maybe, yeah, maybe they do. Mm-hmm. Oh, so what, what happened maybe. with Boy Scouts and Eagle Scouts? Uh, so entrepreneurship. Boy Scout camp. My mom sends me with a bunch of snacks and drinks and all this stuff, and I come back with a bunch of cash and a switchblade knife. Like I sold it all because I'm like I, I don't know. So I think early on that was just this spark of oh I really like this, mm. and I think also subconsciously I don't think I would have been able to articulate this at the time. But my dad could come to my t-ball practices. We could travel as a family when some of my friends couldn't because their parents couldn't get off work. But my dad ran his own business. It was like a small town construction company. But still, like he could be there and we could go on a vacation or we could whatever else. And so 
I think that's what it was. My mom and my dad were both pretty entrepreneurial. He was kind of like a blazer on trail kind of guy and wanting us to do, have the opportunities that he never had. And so he was just always super supportive of that. And so I think that's what was the turning point. And then, then there was all these different things of Papa Poncho's, my landscaping business. And then I remember the first time I got paid to move someone, it was like 500 bucks for a half a day or a day. I'm like, I am rich. I'm living. Like this is an iPod, right? And an iPod was two or three weeks worth of working at like my maintenance job at the tennis courts, but I just made it in a half a day. It just totally flipped the perception of what money is, is it's, oh, this is a half a day of running my own business versus two to three weeks of working on the tennis courts. So then it just, I think a lot of those little things started kind of turning the light bulb on to say, hey, I like this. I'm good at it. And I think I, you know, I think it'll be fun. And one of the things I'm noticing, especially meeting a lot of different entrepreneurs who didn't go to college and, and also ones that did is how many reps are they putting in to get to the, mm. the rep that actually gets them the big success, <laughs> right? And the reality, because I, you yeah. know, as we heard your story, it's like, oh yeah, blah, blah, blah. And he has self-publishing school and now it's doing, he's rich. But then when you actually unpeel it, it's like, I tried this, I tried that, I did mm. this, I learned this. And there are these yeah. little pieces that cumulatively keep adding up to help you, you know, keep trying things until you yes. get to what you want. Yes. Because a lot of people would look at, oh, his business did a million dollars a year by the time he's 21. Is that what your business did? Yes. Um, that was in Business Insider. And so, because I dropped out by the time all my friends graduated from college, self-publishing school was doing a million dollars that year. And so a lot of people will see that and they'll say, oh, he just got his overnight success. But that was business three, four, five. <laughs> and it just so happened that I did a lot of them at a younger age and, and got some reps in. Let's take a step back then. What was the thought process to drop out? What happened that led you to that? So the thought process behind dropping out, you know, the big thing is, all right, I'm learning how to run a business from professors who have never owned businesses. That doesn't make sense. I'm in school for the learning, not the degree. And then one day I just had someone challenge me. They said, Chandler, when are you going to drop out? And I thought for a second, because I'd always said, oh, at any point, if I feel like I've learned what I need to learn, I'll just drop out. Like I'm here for the learning not the degree. But then when they just put it kind of right there in my face, where it was like, hey, why don't you drop out? <laughs> I started wrestling with it. And then I thought about, okay, what if I just double down and finish early so I can get out of here faster? And then I'm like, I'm going to be miserable. Because, you know, my mom would call and she's like, why are you working so hard? You're in this business. You're just like, like, maybe you need to slow down and enjoy this. I'm like, this other stuff is what gives me life. Then it was like, if it's not worth doubling down, is it worth finishing? And then that was a light bulb moment for me combined with kind of this, you've probably heard of the fear-based decision matrix, Tim Ferriss. His theory is that a lot of people will give up on a potentially permanent eight or nine for the risk of a temporary two. So he's like fear. He says, what's the worst case scenario? It's like worst case scenario, I drop out. I do it for a year. It doesn't work out. I come back. Okay. Grand scale of life. What is that? A scale of one to 10 and impact on my life. Probably a two out of 10. It's pretty much all reversible minus that one year. Okay, what's the best case scenario is there's hundreds, if not hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars in opportunity cost where I could grow businesses and expedite kind of that that whole process. Okay, what's the scale one to 10? That's probably a permanent eight or nine. And so his whole thought process is, is most people will pass on permanent eight or nines for risk of a temporary two or three, because it just feels scary in the moment. And so when I kind of went through that matrix and then all the other stuff, I was like, 
I'm an idiot. If I don't do this. <laughs> and so then I went to my parents and said, I'm dropping out. And it's probably a whole, a whole other story we can tell. But what did your parents say when you told me you're dropping out? And your friends as well. My parents said they really challenged me and questioned me at first. And then as soon as they heard that I had really thought this through, I talked to some mentors. Like They said, all right, cool. We're 100% supportive. And so I think it was this nice mix where they really challenged me first. It wasn't just like, oh, awesome. Do your thing. Live your truth, Chandler. <laughs> it's, okay, hey, what, why are you doing this? And really grilling in on that. And they said, all right, cool. We're supportive. So, But then I had people coming out of the woodwork that were just saying, Chandler, you're making a bad decision. Like people I hadn't talked to in years. Because it's like on paper, I get it. For about seven grand, which is what I had remaining in tuition, and two years of my life, I could get a college degree. Who are the people that were kind of, that you were surprised about? I mean, my parents a little bit pushed back, but then it was, it was well-intentioned people. And I think this is a big takeaway, right? Like well-intentioned people will scare you off from something you're supposed to do because it doesn't fit their reality. And so it didn't fit their reality because on paper for them, they're saying, hey, seven grand in two years, you can finish this degree. It's crazy. Why would you not do that? But in my mind, it was the opportunity cost of if, hey, if I, if I don't do this, the hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars and just learning. So it was people from like childhood friends and stuff who would say, hey, Chandler, like, I don't know if my parents put them up to it <laughs> or they just called. It's like, I haven't talked to you in eight. So it's just a lot of, hey, thank you so much. I appreciate that. I'm not doing that. <laughs> what gave you such strong conviction? I talk about this a little bit in the first book I wrote is this idea of many, so M-A-N-Y, many, M-I-N-I. So like a lot of little success, many, many successes. I think that's what it was, right? It was going back to the Eagle Scout train of thought, like, oh, did a business, did decent. Did another business, did pretty well. Got my Eagle Scout, like all these things that my parents pushed me into, or not pushed me in, but just said, hey, you should do this. Like, not like you got to do this, but hey, we're whatever you want to do, we're 100% supportive. And you do that enough, and then with student painters in college, and I ran my first six-figure business running a house painting business, and then I was entrepreneur of the year, so number one in the country and in the company out of all all the managers and, and entrepreneurs in there. And so just a bunch of little things like that stacked to where I finally said, all right, I can do this, and I've done because I've done it. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this, and I got three to six months of runway. Let's figure it out. Did you have a business lined up? No. Did you have anything lined up? <laughs> uh, I had, I had a book that I was launching that I felt like would be a, a jumping off point a little bit, but also that was just kind of a passion project. And I had about six months, five, six months of savings where I said, Hey, I'll, I'll figure it out. And I know, I don't know what I'm going to start, but I'm going to start something and uh, I got to make the cash register ring. I mean, it's, <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you remember the day you dropped out? Do you remember going to the registrar or what that day was like? It was kind of pretty anticlimactic. I'll actually back up and say this. I studied abroad for a semester before I dropped out. And so I always wanted to study abroad. When I realized I'm dropping out, I said, I'm not going to miss out on that. Like, I, I want to do that. And I think my mom, my mom thought, hey, if he has another semester, like he can rethink it. So yeah, you should study abroad. So I studied abroad, you know, got to go to Europe kind of on the school's dime. And then I dropped out. So it was kind of anticlimactic because I just didn't go back. And I don't even know if I even let anyone know. <laughs> we just didn't pay the next tuition, whatever. <laughs> I don't know, actually. This is a good question. Yeah. Oh, man. Hold on. So you drop out of school. You got no real 
plan? You got to make the cash register ring. Were you scared? What What was your game plan? Oh, you? yeah, I was terrified. <laughs> terrified and excited all the time uh, at the same time. So, I mean, my plan was I want to start a business. I don't know what that business will be, but I want to start a business. I was launching this book and yeah, that was about it. I moved across, I have across the country to Des Moines, Iowa, a guy that we know, Dane Maxwell. Um, I had learned from him at the foundation. So I moved, he had an entrepreneur house up there. So I, I was like, hey, Dane, I'm going to come live with you. I want to come live with you. And he's just pushing me off, pushing me off. And you're like, dude, it was me and another guy that that dropped out. And we were like, hey, we really want to do this. Like we gave him a whole pitch, sent him a video, like all this stuff. And he finally said, yeah. And so we moved up there to, to Iowa <laughs> in February. It's like, I remember the first day walking out of the grocery, we went to go get groceries and it's just a blizzard. And so my car is sliding all over the road. We get groceries. No one's in the grocery store. It's like, no one goes to shop in a blizzard. We're just like the two idiots that are new to town. And uh, we just come out of the grocery store and push this grocery cart just into snow. We're totally underdressed. I remember looking at each other and we're like, dude, we chose the move here. Like, what are we, you're so stupid. It's like, this is so dumb. Why don't we move to Des Moines, Iowa in the middle of winter to start a business and drop out of school and move into an entrepreneur house? Uh, but we did it, man. And it was, I just knew I wanted to sink the ships, burn the boats. Like I wanted to make it embarrassing to fail so that I wouldn't fail. I'm going to make it to where if I fail at this, it's going to be humiliating. And so I'm just not going to fail. That's kind of always been my philosophy is tell people what you're going to do and be as public as possible because then you got to do it. Like you're pretty similar. Where it's just like, hey, I'm gonna say what I'm gonna do, and then I gotta do it because I kind of told everyone. So that's what we did. What were some of the challenges you faced after you dropped out? So many. I mean, product market fit is a beast. <laughs> I mean, finding product market fit in anything is really, really hard. There's, I think, two phases in a business. There's pre-product market fit and there's post-product market fit, and those are just two totally different. This is like two totally different things, and so. Product market fit was getting the cash register to ring for the first time and, and making our first sales. And that was just really, really hard. And so I, it was just burning through money. It was like 400 bucks. And I was sleeping on a mattress next to a mattress pushed on the floor with my buddy who also dropped out. And we're paying 400 bucks a month each, I think, and rent. So we're not burning through money that fast, but we also don't have that much. And so it was just that challenge of how do we pay our bills first off and then yeah how do we how do we get our first sales where are all the different businesses you were trying at the time when you're in des moines so first off we had we had this book that was doing pretty well it's called the productive person it's productivity hacks for entrepreneurs it was making a few thousand bucks a month it was keeping my head above water and paying the bills so we built an email list from the book it's about four thousand people we had nothing to sell them contrary to most people who have something to sell and no email list and so we said all right let's make a productivity course and to this day, I don't think we sold one copy of that course. Big lesson I learned was sell, then build. We built the thing that no one wanted. We called it the productivity course. It's so arrogant. And it just didn't sell. And we did all these things that didn't work. So that was the first business. Meanwhile, people kept asking like, hey, how are you doing this book thing? I'd launched two books and I helped a friend launch his book. And so I'd just get on the phone with him for an hour for free just to be a nice person and just say, hey, do this, do this, do this. Hope this helps. Good luck. And just did that so many times before it's like you can only get smacked in the face so many times before you turn around and look. 
you turn around and look, there's this whole line of people. That was when I kind of realized, hey, there's maybe something with this whole book thing. And so that was when we, instead of building first, we sold, then build. So sell, then build. And we sold a, a beta of that course and started working with people and 44 people and like 60% of them wrote and published a book in six months. Like it's crazy. So then we said, all right, we believe in this. Let's double down and kind of restructured the business partnership and, you know, went from three to two and double down. I mean, even that year, you know, a lot of people think, oh, you had this massive success. You got all these students and it's, you know, but we, it's like $86,000 in revenue. I didn't take home enough to even file taxes that year. You know, it's like the IRS is just like, you're good. <laughs> you're like below some threshold. It's like 11 grand or 16 grand or something. Like anything below that, they're like, yeah, don't even bother. Yeah. And that was me. But then we doubled down and, and we made it work. How did you keep learning after you dropped out? Very passionate about this. I call this the college dropouts approach to learning and education. It's like I dropped out of school, but I operated like I was still in school. And so for me, I kind of convinced my mom a little bit to instead the money they had put away for college. Oh, instead, hey, can I put this towards like some conferences, some seminars, like online, online training, like that sort of thing? And she said yes on a couple of them. And so did that. And then it was books. I mean, books change lives, right? We talk about this all the time in self-publishing school. It's like books change the lives of readers and of authors. And so for me, a book is a $15 mentor. It's like, hey, all the smartest, most successful people have put their life's work into a book. And for 15 bucks and a handful of hours, I can just read it and learn from it. And so I've read about a book a week for years now. And it's just, I say, hey, what's the area that I want to grow or the problem in my business that I'm trying to solve, find the best book on that and then just read it and implement it immediately and then just do it again. <laughs> and so it's just like, it's not sexy, but it's the thing I've just kept doing it. And it's, I think a lot of people, like what people would say about me is like, hey, he's not like, he's not the smartest person ever, but he will highly coachable and find people who are smarter than him, books, and then just learn everything and then just implement it immediately and then just keep repeating that and learning along the way. How soon from when you got that business started to when you made a million? And what was it like to make a million? Yeah. So from starting the business to a million. So self-publishing school, technically we, we launched in February, 2015. And by the end of that year, we'd done $1.32 million in sales. Now we launched best-selling book system the year before that. So it's like, there's always the iceberg effect, right? It's like on paper, what was it? Okay, probably about nine months, but what was it actually? Uh, you know, a, a lot longer than that. So when we launched self-publishing school in February 2015, all of my bank accounts were negative. I'd borrowed $15,000 from friends and family to try and get the business off the ground. Like this was it. All the chips on the table once again. And have you ever heard of triple F financing? No, friends, family, and fools. <laughs> you, you, you get that, you get that triple F financing. So I got my triple F financing, 15 grand. I can show you the screenshots. All of my bank accounts are negative. That was the month that we launched self-publishing school. And we did $1.32 million by the end of that year. I don't want to say we did 2.1 the next year, maybe three or four the next year. Like it's just been stacking ever since then. How long until you've now made a, like cumulatively 40 million? Yeah, I think we're cumulatively over 40 million. That's been seven, seven and a half years. We'll do 10, maybe 11 this year. So be first eight figure year. For you, man. Thanks. What are some of your proud moments in this journey? That's not the thing that I'm best at. I, I've gotten this, um, 
little sign it says until further notice celebrate everything because i just noticed that i was always it's like i always talk about to my team about the windshield mentality right it's like there's a reason why the windshield is this big and the rearview mirror is this big this is because we're made to look at what's next right so it's always about what's next and i think somewhere along the way in that i just stopped learning how to celebrate wins so it's like it's funny even you asking that question it's like i'm gonna have to really think about that because i'm so used to oh cool yeah we hit the goal it's probably six months after I thought we would hit it and it was expected. So cool. Let's move on to the next thing. But I think if I had to think of big moments along, the, like Forbes 30 and 30 was really cool. Yeah, it was just really cool because it felt like external validation of something that I knew and we knew internally. It's weird because a lot of it is external rewards or awards, like Inc. 5000 for a few different years and best places to work list or stuff like that. But it's, I feel like that's so finicky because it's who, who, who submits? It's really who submits for the most awards is like typically who actually is winning them. And it's just external validation but of, it, yeah, but it mattered too. of something that we knew internally. So a lot of those are really cool. And then there's moments of seeing some of our authors do really well. And like we had an eight year old who published a book who then got on TV and was doing speaking gigs and stuff. And just like that, thinking about all right, that person's life is forever changed because of this. Some of my team members. Who, oh, their life is forever changed because they started working with us. So just there's all that stuff that I think is way more meaningful and building schools and houses and stuff like through nonprofits. Like that's a really cool impact side of things. What does your band mean? Yes, great questions. You'd be surprised. Almost no one ever asked me about this. So I had a friend that passed away. I, I tell that story in this book. He passed away at 20 years old right in front of me on a cruise. And it was a big moment in my business journey where, you know, we were on this awards cruise for Student Painters, the company I worked for at the time. And we, we they send their top performers on this cruise. And he literally, it was a horrific accident, like on the cruise. And I was the first one there. So it just really rocked me. And this was right as we were thinking about launching self-publishing school, or should we not? Should I move on? A week after he passed away, I talked to his dad and was telling him what happened because he wanted to know. And he said, you know, Kendall is my only son. He's the family name. I'm old. I'm not going to have more kids. Like the only good that can come out of this is if people's lives are positively impacted by the fact that this happened. And so that was when, for me, it just clicked. It was like, I'm chasing all this stuff that doesn't really matter. Money, women, fame. And there's only a handful of things that actually matter. My family, my faith, and the impact that I'm making with this business, like I'm actually making people's lives better. This is one of the only ways that I'm actually making people's lives better is through self-publishing school. And so then it was just for me, I'm like, all right, I'm doubling down. I'm all in. And I've, ha I've had a sense of urgency that I've never had ever since then. So all that to say, it says on one side, WWKD, what would Kindle do? Uh, this is kind of a daily reminder because he was just like an awesome leader, selfless leader, great person. And then on the other side, it says, make him proud. And, uh, yeah, I've literally worn this every day. Well, a bunch of different ones of these because they wear out, but every day for the last probably seven and a half, eight, nine years since that happened. Yeah. Sorry to hear that. Thanks for asking, though. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. It doesn't feel relevant to talk about dropping out of college now. <laughs> oh, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. It's a part of the journey. Yeah. It's it's interesting the impact we have or don't have. I was talking to someone today and they're like, Yeah, I, I love what you guys do. And I'm like, You mean our, our business? Oh, yeah. I love this. I was like, Wow. Like that was, it was special to for connect sure. with them. And sure. I think some of what we're talking about in, in creating businesses or whatever journeys people are taking on, it's like, 
just go and connect with the people that you're you're helping or you're trying to help yeah. as you're starting a painting business or you're starting a self-publishing yeah. business or you're doing an online community business. Like, go just talk to them. Mm-hmm. And I think we're all, we'd be surprised how much we can help people and how much we can matter and, and make their lives different and better. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure, man. That's the beautiful thing about business is I think it's one of the best vehicles ever to create change. You create change in the lives of your customers. You create change in the lives of your employees and your team. And then you create a profit, which allows you to create a legacy for your own family. But then also, if you're charitable, nonprofit, like you can donate some of that, which creates this whole other ripple effect that it's just, I think it's the greatest vehicle for change. <laughs> and so if you have those skill sets, like you should lean into that as you've done. Yeah, it's been, it's been a journey. It's, I'm still on it sometimes. And you're changing people's lives who aren't even your customers, you know? They just watch your videos. Oh, the videos that we get to put out. Yeah, I mean, and, that part and is That's amazing. a whole other ripple effect who listen to the podcast. Like, oh, it's a... You know, I just haven't given up. Yeah. I don't think... I think it's like you... If you keep giving enough times, eventually, like, something happens. Consistency. Yeah. When I was in high school, I didn't know there was... Like, I always knew I wanted money and I wanted my own company. And I, but I didn't know how people did it. I think that was, like, the little bit of the disconnect. Mm. And then my brother went to college and I was like, well, I guess that's what I'm supposed to do. Hmm. And so I just... My mom helped me... <laughs> I was, you know, 18, but she helped me fill out the applications. I sent it in. I went to school and I was like, I mean, I guess, okay, I guess what we're supposed to do. Right. And I think it's been fascinating to meet people who are like, it's not that you shouldn't do it, but like, let me just take a step back here. And it's like, do I want to do this? And where do Mm -hmm. I want to go? And what helps line me up for that next path? Everybody's path is different. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't regret school in that. I I liked going and like, I had so many friends there that I liked, you know, learning. I didn't think it was as applicable, but I got to start all these side hustles in Mm -hmm. school while like, I don't know, I got to, I guess, learn independence. Yeah. But yeah, I think everyone had to, you knew for it wasn't working for you. It's not a one size fits all. Yeah. And I just remember my dad really challenging that for me. And he said, do you think every degree takes four years? Oh, wow. That's a good question. No. He's like, well, what do you think they did? They took the longest one and then they just expanded everything else to be four years because it's more profitable. I'm like, wow, that's a crazy thought. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, okay. And then why do you think in Europe, all their degrees are three years? Because you don't need four years for a lot of this stuff. Like unless you're a doctor or someone who needs to go through like very specific qualifications, every degree shouldn't be four years. And it probably doesn't need to be four years. I mean, trade schools are awesome. There's a lot of six-figure plumbers and electricians that's like, instead of getting a psychology degree at, you know, (laughs) middle, middle Texas state community college, or worse, going to a big school, paying 50 grand a year to get a psychology degree or to get a communications degree. I mean, it's just for most people, it's a, it's a waste of money. <laughs> like, you're not going to earn more because you got that degree. If you just want to go party for a few years, do that. <laughs> yeah, just admit it to yourself and just I, I, go to a community <laughs> college and spend a few thousand bucks a semester and go party and meet people. But like, don't kid yourself that you're getting a valuable degree, that you're going to be in debt for the rest of your life. Yeah. And now you're, you're, you were a slave to that debt. We could have never started our businesses if we had massive amounts of debt. Cause yeah. what do you have to do? You have to get a job yeah. to pay off the debt, <laughs> you know? And, and so then you just get a job and you'll start the business. I graduated college without debt. Cause like I worked, I basically worked got scholarships and like worked in the dorms. Do you think that there's a correlation? And even for people watching this. I think it's hard if you have debt. I think it's hard if you don't feel like you have freedom to explore and be creative and, and take a yeah. risk. Right, because I had no debt, and because I lived at home or my aunt's basement or friends' couches for years, like mm. there wasn't a lot of money I had to make, so I could mm. do, I could find something that didn't have to make a lot, but I enjoyed doing it. Yeah, you made it work. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it took Wait. eight years probably to finally, finally dial in. Like, oh, there's, I like promoting things. Let me promote yeah. software. And you need that runway, right? And if you have debt, you don't have that runway. 
that eight years to figure it out. But then it's also, I think, what's a cool part of your story? You made the sacrifices to make it work. Because I think a lot of people say, oh, that's cool for Noah, but I'm not Noah. I can't do that. While they're paying three grand a month to live in their nice apartment yeah. and broke. It's like, oh, no, well, you could actually live on people's couches or like <laughs> it, with your parents. So you just don't want to do that. Yeah. Do you ever regret not going to college? You ever regret not finishing it's so close? I don't regret not finishing college. I want to go back and get my honorary degree. That's always been my goal. It's like be so rich and successful that you get an honorary degree, not only from the school that you went to, but then from all the other schools mm. that you didn't go to that you would never, that I would have never gotten into. But I never regret dropping out. I'm glad that I went and very glad that I dropped out. I think uh, um, for a lot of people, one or two years of college is actually really, really, really helpful. Because you get out of your home city, hopefully, you learn new life skills, you meet new people, all that. But beyond that, there was a, for me personally, there was a point of diminishing returns where I'm glad I went for a year or two, but I'm very glad that I dropped out. That's where I feel like some community colleges make sense. Go yeah. for a year or two or trade school, go for a year or two. And, and it's just low downside, maximum upside. I also really admire that your, your parents were saying, hey, if you're not going to school, like, let's use this money. You can use this money for other ways of learning. Mm-hmm. Where I think people, I've learned probably more after college than I did in college, right? And just in oh, terms of no like doubt. how many times I'm, I'm, oh, I want to solve like my toilet and like go on YouTube. You can see yeah. the toilet or like there's yeah. marketing things. There's like so many ways to learn what we're curious about. Mm-hmm. What do you think you would be today if you did stay in school? How different would life be if you finished college? I'd probably be on a similar path, but with way less success and five to 10 years behind where I'm at right now. It just was this big accelerant. I've always kind of felt like I've got a two-year head start on anyone my age. Like, I just feel like I'm two, at least two years more mature because I, I, I got out in the real world two years faster than just about anyone else. But then I also think that pressure of dropping out and having to make the bills, it just made me good at sales and marketing and revenue generation in a way that I would not have been if I had a cushion. If I was doing it on the side, there would just be not as much of a sense of urgency. It was sink the ships, burn the boats, and going all in. I think that really accelerated a lot of things. If someone is listening to this and they're thinking about dropping out of college, what would you talk to them about? What would you ask them? I've actually had a lot of these conversations. I did this podcast one time about dropping out and whether or not you should do it or or on somebody's. And then it just got kind of passed around to all these people that were thinking about dropping out of college. And so I ended up getting on all these phone calls. It was, if you feel convicted about it, do it. It's not for everyone, like it, but you've you got to have real grit and you got to have real determination. But if that's you, do it. I guess I would back up and say this. Don't run away from something, run to something. So if you're, if you're dropping out because you want to run away because you hate school, but you don't really have anything, you're not running to something, probably not going to work. But if you feel like you're running to something that you're passionate about or excited about, I think it's one of the best decisions you can ever make. Like dropping out or not even going. Yeah, dropping out or not going. I feel like parents hate me because I give this advice. I'm like, hey, you should drop out. But I mean, if it doesn't work out, don't call me. <laughs> don't, tell your, don't, parents, don't tell your parents to call me. <laughs> What's the downside? What's been the worst part about dropping out of, uh, out of college? The worst part of dropping out of school is the time between when you drop out and when you actually make it. Because <laughs> I feel like there was like this, this six-month 
to a year, maybe even longer than that period, where I just felt like I needed to over explain myself. It's like, oh, I dropped out of school, but like I'm, I didn't flunk out. Like I'm not an idiot. Like I've got this business. It was like this. If, if people met me were like, hey, what do you do or whatever, it's just like I had this long, multi-minute preamble of like why I'm not a loser. So just like the self-confidence and really, I don't know. I think that's a really hard time where you've got to be very confident, or you're just going to fold. If someone was thinking about not going to college or dropped out, dropped out of college and their goal was like, I want to make a million bucks and they want to copy the Chandler Bolt plan. Like what would be their step-by-step to do that and make a million bucks? If you're starting a business, go for something where you can add the most value and charge the most money and sell your first five to 10 customers as fast as possible and get on the phone with your first 10 or 20 people that might even possibly buy as fast as possible and sell it, then build it, validate the idea and then yeah, then build it out. What would be some of the things you would sell or that you would think of selling? I mean, it's actually in sales. It's just being a salesperson at a highly lucrative or a deal maker. Like you could broker real estate, you could broker a business, you could anything where there's a large amount of money changing hands. If you just connect a buyer with a seller, that's one of the fastest ways to, and you get a 5% off of that, 10% off of that. One of the fastest ways to just cash flow. It's not a sustainable business so much because it's a job, but if you want to cash flow to then have some runway, I think that's one of the fastest ways to do it. Any parting words for the, the people on their entrepreneurship journey out there, whether they want to go to college or not go to college, whatever they're doing? Parting piece of advice for someone thinking about dropping out of school would be, if you think you want to do it, just do it. Just stop thinking about it. It's just the same thing if you want to start a business. If you want to start a business, start. <laughs> Ask someone for money. <laughs> Get your first customer. Don't get a website. Don't get a business plan. Don't get a, you know, a URL or logo or all that stuff. If you don't have customers, you don't have a business. You have a business idea. Mm. Uh, so you need customers to have a business, right? So if you want to start a business, well, then get customers. That's the fastest way to actually be in business, not an LLC. Same way if you want to drop out of school, well, drop out. <laughs> or don't, but make a decision one way or the other. Because I think indecision and kind of sitting on that fence, it just you're going to wake up and three, five years of your life have gone by and you didn't do it. And I think just too many people, they just sit in that middle line and they don't do it. Everything's reversible. <laughs> if you drop out, you can always go back. If you start a business and it totally fails, you can always get a job. Almost everything is reversible. So if you're worried about that, then just go live with your grandma or in your, your parents' basement or whatever else, Pretty like much. Noah. Be like Noah. That's my party. I'd, be like, I'd rather be like Chandler. I mean, like, be like, you know, copy both of us and then make it your own your own pizza. I think that's part of it is like you learn your story, the other people's story, my story. And then, yeah. you know, you can kind of, there's, I think what you said, which is interesting, books for $15, you get amazing mentors. You can really go learn all these different paths, try them out and then figure out what feels right to you and then go your own way. Yeah. There's no one size fits all. That is a wrap. I hope you love the episode as much as we did making it for you. Go give Chandler some love. Check out his book published on Amazon or wherever you buy books and his website, selfpublishing.com to publish your own book. Next, text a friend you love him. Yo, dog, let's go to the library. Before you go, tweet, Insta, DM, whatever the hell. I check them all at Noah Kagan. Let me know what you thought this episode. I love hearing from you. Also remember to go subscribe to my email list. I put my best tips into a single short email each and every week and have exclusive content just for subscribers. That's okdork.com. Finally, a couple shout outs to the amazing team who helps make all this happen. Thank you to Jason at podcasttech.com for doing these episodes. Thank you to Mitchell, Jeremy, George, Cam, Sasa, Nikki, and Jen from the Dork team for all the magic y'all do. Let me give a shout out to the AppSumo leadership team. These are the people who have helped run AppSumo for many years. They're just damn great people. 
Anna, Eamon, Chad, Christine, Ilona, Jeff, Kevin, Nick, Olo, Sean, and Vanessa. Thank you for everything you've done at AppSumo. All the customers and sumolings we've helped, all the partners we've promoted, and the rest of the amazing teammates that work here at the company. Very lucky to be with y'all. Have a great this year and forever. Have a spectacular day. What's your favorite purchase from 2022?